do that. Right? All right, let's see where we are. Sabotai, it's Ed of Shabbat, the day is short. But uh, we have to say something on the Perashah, Perashat Mishpatim. It's also Shabbat Shekalim. We're not going to talk about Shabbat Shekalim today. We talked about it last night, Ayin Sham. Big Hadushim was said last night, Rabotai. We will continue, uh, however, today on, on Mishpatim. There's a law in the Perashah. On its own, we know the law. Everybody knows that. That's the milk and meat law. The milk and meat law is mentioned in our perashah. Literally means do not take a goat or a kid and don't cook it with its milk. Obviously the gedi is meat, the milk is milk. You're not, you're not allowed to cook it together. All right, that on its own, we know that already. Actually, the Torah writes this deen three times. It says three times in the Torah, Why does it have to say it three times? So already uh, the Gemara deals with that. To come and tell us that milk and meat is forbidden on three levels. Level number one, on the simple interpretation, it's forbidden to cook milk and meat. As the text says, lo which means, uh, let's say you go to a culinary school. And in culinary school, uh, assuming that uh, you're not going to eat the food, because maybe the food's not kosher, but they tell you to cook. They want you to see the, or better yet, today they have these uh, very important competitions where grown people uh, compete to make food. And they have grown people that are judges to judge the foods. It's a very mature, uh, you know, uh, pastime. And they compete against you. They get, they get ingredients. You get a half hour, and then they make the food. And the judges, who, uh, you know, are pathetic people that have nothing better to do than to judge the taste of food. So then they decide which... Uh, no, so that's the problem. So if they give you ingredients on that uh, competition... And they tell, okay, your ingredients are uh, cow's meat and also milk and uh, whatever. And you're going to have to stew this up into a concoction. So basically you're cooking milk and meat. And you'll say, but Rabbi, I didn't eat it. I didn't eat it. I'm just cooking it. Forbidden. It's forbidden. So a chef in a non-kosher restaurant, even though he's not eating his food, he would be hard-pressed to be a chef in a non-kosher restaurant because he's based... And the food doesn't have to be kosher, meaning it doesn't have to be kosher uh, meat. So long as it comes from a kosher species, so long as it's cow meat, even though it wasn't uh, slaughtered correctly, it doesn't matter. It's from a kosher species. So therefore, that's the first thought of Hashil Gedi. It's a sur to cook milk and meat together. It also is forbidden to eat it. That's the second lot of Hashil. So why would the Torah then say Lotevashil? Why doesn't it just say Lotokal? I mean, we know how to say Lotokal. We have a word for that. Don't eat. So the Gemara learns from there because it's only forbidden from the Torah if you eat it after it was cooked. Derek Bishul Asra Torah. That means only meat and milk that was cooked 
is forbidden to eat. But technically, from the Torah law, gentlemen, I know it's not a halakha class. I'm just giving you the basics, but from the Torah law, if I take a cold piece of cheese, cold piece of yellow cheese, American cheese, they call that, Kraft American cheese, and I take a hamburger, and the hamburger is cold, and I take the cheese and I put it on the burger. We call that a cheeseburger. However, since it wasn't cooked together, if you eat it, it's forbidden from the rabbis. You believe that? You think I'm, you think I'm conservative, Shalom? Not a conservative rabbi. From the Torah, only if you put the hamburger on the on this barbecue and you put the cheese on it and you cooked it, you made two sins there. Number one, you cooked it. That's sin number one. Number two, if you eat it, you get another sin. And number two, if you own the McDonald's and you sold it, that's the third avo. That's the third note of You're not allowed to derive benefit from Basar Bahalav. That means, let's say a person says, Rabbi, I didn't cook it. I got the goy to cook it. I got the goy in the kitchen and then McDonald's. He's cooking the, uh, the cheeseburger, the Big Mac. And I won't eat it, God forbid. Yeah, but you're selling it and you're getting a profit from milk and meat. So if you're profiting from milk and meat, that's the third lot of Bashir. So don't eat, don't cook, don't profit. Don't benefit from it. Which means, a guy comes along and says, uh, oh, there's milk and meat in my house over here. Let me go feed it to my dog. You can't. Because you're feeding it to your dog, you're benefiting it. How are you benefiting it? Instead of feeding it the Alpo that you had in the bag, you're saving money now and you're feeding it milk and meat, so you're benefiting it. Understand? That's the simple law of Lotte more. You can go online, Rabotai. We gave about 50 Shi'urim on the laws of Basar Bahalav during our summer uh, apprentice program with the young men. Uh, you know, you could hear it over there. This is not a halakha class, as I said. The question we have over here is a few questions. One question is the obvious question. The beginning of the Pasuk says... The Torah says that there's a mitzvah that's called Bikurim. What is Bikurim? That you must bring your first fruits to God. You know the mitzvah Bikurim. If you're a farmer in Eretz Israel and you have, let's say, a grapevine, the first fruits that the grapevine produces, you have to put it in a basket, you have to go to Jerusalem and give it to the Kohen. It's one of the Kohen's 24 gifts that he's entitled to. Why does the Torah put the law of Bikurim in the law of Basar Bahalab in the same Pasuk? Reshit Admatecha Tavi Bet Adonai Bring the Bikurim. And you know what else? Don't cook milk and meat. And Dr. Rosenstein opens his hands in wonderment. What For years he's been wondering, and this is his lucky day because he's going to finally get an answer. And he's wondering in amazement, as you can see it's written all over his face, the amazement. How could this be, Rabbi? How could it be that the Torah juxtaposes two random laws that seemingly have no connection whatsoever? 
Furthermore, if you look in the uh, Torah, the context, now I want to go to the context of when Basar Bahalab was mentioned. Strange place it's mentioned. Right, but in this parasha, Doc, it says, Shalosh pa'amim bashanai el adon adonai. You got to go to Jerusalem three times a year. You got to go to Jerusalem on the holidays. Today we go to Florida, but in the olden days we used to go to Jerusalem. Today we, today we know better. You know, what do these guys know? They used to go to Jerusalem for the holiday. What's in Jerusalem? There's no swimming pool, there's no tennis court, there's no... Uh, Oh, that's what, that's, what, that's what I heard. Oh, they have it, they have it. Anyway, so in the olden days when they used to go to Jerusalem for the holidays, so it's telling you over here, Haga uh, Asif, you have Sukkot, you have Pesach, so three holidays. And then it says, don't cook milk and meat. But talk about the holidays. Which means, I don't have a problem why Bikurim is mentioned in the context of the holidays, because that's when you probably brought the Bikurim on the holiday, when you're going up to Jerusalem, give the Kohen the Bikurim. No problem with that. But Basar Bahalab, Basar Bahalab is not only forbidden on the holidays, Basar Bahalab is forbidden all year long. So why would it put it in the context of the holidays? And since there's no limit on how many questions I can ask, I will ask another question. And you might not think that this question is uh, legitimate. What is the reason why we cannot have basar bahalaf? The reason why you don't think it's legitimate because you say, oh, it's a hawk. It's a hawk. Rabbi, don't go there. We learned already when we were young. There are certain mitzvot that are beyond our comprehension. They fall into the category of inexplicable law. Not that they don't have a reason. God knows the reason. And we just have to put our head down and be obedient and follow the law. I happen to agree with you. Basar Bahalab is one of those hukim for the simple reason glad kosher meat on its own is permissible. Milk on its own, halab Yisrael, is permissible. How do you take two permissibles and put them together and all of a sudden it turns into something that's forbidden? Well, that's the hook. Why should that be? Yeah, I mean, in, listen, if, 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 you, if you're going to tell me, no, Rabbi, in mathematics, uh, two positives make a negative. So therefore, you have over here uh, one of those rules over there. But this is not mathematics. It's the same question we have by Shatnez. Wool on its own is permissible. Linen on its own is permissible. And you put them together, and it becomes uh, taboo. It becomes forbidden. Well, that's why we say Shatnez is a hook. So it's one of those things that you put it in the... Uh, in the inexplicable box. But however, I must point out, that didn't stop the rabbis from trying to explain it. You know, they come along and say, listen, we know it's a hook. Mm-hmm. That being said, Maharaj Baruch Abba. I heard famous is getting. Famous? Besides me? You are a lot famous. <laughs> Famous. You brought your consuegro with us, uh, Mars. Huh? You brought your consuegro. That's right. Oh, Mr. G's here. Yeah, that's right. That's why you're. And he's behaving. He didn't interrupt me once yet. He's behaving. Be careful. Watch out. Ah, you. Be- <laughs>
Rabotai, learn from Mr. Seton. He doesn't come empty-handed. Every guy comes to this class, they bring nothing to the class, just themselves. Mr. Seton, he comes, he brings us pistachios, gifts, something. Uh, really dedicated. A man to emulate. All right, Rabotai. Anyway, the Hachamim over here did not limit themselves to give explanations to this mitzvah. So I brought some sifarim over here just to get a general understanding of the mitzvah before we go into the before we go into the depth. So he says over here. Oh, so I'm reading from a sefer called Vayavinu Bamikra. That's from Rabbi Karp from Modi'in. It's a big tamid hakam. So he says over here. First question he's going to answer. What's the connection between the holidays and Basar Bahalav? So he says an interesting answer. He says, if you went to the Beit HaMikdash, the Mizbeah is considered the table of God. The table of God, uh, we're allowed to put a lot of stuff on his table that we're not allowed to put on our table. As an example, what goes on the table of God called the Mizbeah? Blood. And you put blood on our table, it's Hayaf Karet. But God says on my table, which is the Mizbeah, blood is perfectly fine. What else do we put on the table of God? The fats of the Mizbeah, of the Qurban. Halev. Now again, put Halev on our table, Isul Karet. But God says on the contrary, on my table, which is the Mizbeah, the Shulchan Gavoa, no problem. Halev is, is, is perfectly acceptable. So therefore, we see that Korbanot have a different Kashrut standard, which would, something is normally totally contraband, but once it becomes a Korban, Dam of Korban is legal for God, Mizbeah. Halev of a Korban becomes legal. So the Rav comes along and says... So you might have thought that if you're eating from a korban, maybe basar bechalav is also permissible. Because you see that there's a, a leniency in korbanot. So let, let's say it's a korban. So maybe the korban allows me to eat basar bechalav. So then when the Torah comes along and says that even basar that's brought as a korban, and when did we bring these korbanot? Primarily on the holiday when you're bringing the korbanot. So therefore he says that it's going to be forbidden nonetheless. I'm reading it now. For example, the Gedi of Kurban Pesach. Gedi is Kurban Pesach. What goes on the Mizbeah? They put some meat on the Mizbeah of the Kurban Pesach. So it says, even though the table of God, so you would have thought that since this is a Kurban, you could take your Kurban Pesach home and have a cheeseburger from it. So therefore, the Pesach says that even on Pesach, Shalosh Regalim, that would be one uh, one reconciliation. Rabbi Karp. I have over here the Orachim Kadosh. 
I'll tell you what he has to say. He says a Hiddush. In the Parashat Mishpatim. His question is, what's the connection between Basar Ba'alav and Bikurim? He's asking that question. So he says, Uchfi derek apshat, just like Basar Bakalab is forbidden to have any Hana'a from it, benefit from it. So we found a common denominator between them. Halfon doesn't like it, uh, nodding his head. We don't have video over here, so we have to let everybody know everybody's reaction. He's right. Okay, you found the comment. By the way, they're both food also. Bikurim's food, this is food. And we could find, they're both spelled with Hebrew letters. I mean, we could find a lot of commonality, but that's what Rahim Kadosh says. Obviously, uh, you know, we want to see something else. What else we got here? Oh, we have Rabbi Nubah. Rabbi Nubah is one of the Rishonim. Rabbeinu Bachya, Bachai. Rabbeinu Bachai. So he has a big hadush here. He goes into, he has a little, big piece over here. He starts going into the whole story of Basar Bahalaf. So he says like this, Ba'al derech apshat. Mr. Franco Baruch Abba. Oh, the class is tilted from Avenue J guys over here. This is we're losing our majority. We used to have a majority now. Oh now we got it's a borough park, so it's different. You also Jay? Wow. That's it. We're outnumbered Rabotai. It clogs the heart. Now it's not talking about over here the arteries of the heart. It's referring to the spiritual that causes a person's judgment to become clouded. Now the geniuses at Harvard haven't proven this yet, that eating milk and meat clouds your judgment. But usually they're about 5,000 years behind Rabbeinu Bahia's findings. So give them time, they'll come to it. It's metamtemet to live. How? Share, he says something incredible. Where does the milk come from? Now I'm going to teach you biology. The Gemara says that something happens when a child is born. The mother of the child all of a sudden starts to produce milk. Where she didn't produce milk beforehand, all of a sudden, abracadabra. Baby's born, she becomes a milk factory. She turns into a, you know, a Delwood, uh, Delwood milk farm. How does that happen? Something else happens at the same time when a lady gives birth. She stops seeing the blood of Nida. Usually, a period stops during the time that she's nursing. So the Gemara finds a uh, connection between this fluid stopping and another fluid beginning. And the Gemara says in Nida, 
hold on to your seats. Dam naasa halav. That the blood actually turns into milk. So when the baby actually is eating milk, if you look at the roots of where that milk came from, it actually is from the nida. There's an upgrade. The red turns into white. Then when he eats it, it becomes his blue blood. So they have red, white, and blue. There we have. He becomes a patriot. Becomes a uh, let's say he becomes an American citizen. The point is, you have over here something incredible. So we know that the blood of a person represents his physical drives. Uh, the blood is where all his, you know, you ever hear when they say the guy's hot-blooded? That's a, that's a nice way of saying he's an animal. Hot-blooded means he's filled with his passions and his desire. The blood is where the Yetzirah lives. Uh, the Gemara actually says that where does the Yetzirah live? Yetzirah lives in the left ventricle of the heart. It is the left ventricle, if you remember science, that's the part of that that pumps the blood to the rest of the body. The Yetzirah pumps the blood, lives in the left ventricle, that's pumping the blood to the rest of the body, which gets the guy heated up in order to commit Averot. So milk, in its origins, is actually... Uh, blood, that's why the milk cartons are red you ever see the, the, the red milk cartons? you ever see the milk with the red cap? so therefore they're giving a name is to really that this halab started off as dam now meat of course meat is the dam meat has the dam in it by the way that's why we have to salt our meat why do we have to salt our meat as Jewish people? want to get rid of the dam, we don't like dam because dam already is going to uh, we have enough blood in us let alone not to eat the blood of an animal you know, we're hot blooded enough not to eat more blood of an animal is only going to make us worse so our Torah says, take the meat salt it, extract as much blood as you can from it, so the Ben says, by taking this mixture of meat and milk, you're basically taking dam and dam to put a double dosage of dam together, that already is uh, one at a time you could tolerate it, but, but to put two items that emanate from dam that would be too strong now I read his Lashon he says the nature of the blood is bad it links the person to cruelty so he says Right, interesting, he says. I don't know if this has been proven uh, biologically, but he says, One of the reasons why you're not allowed to eat blood, When you eat blood, it doesn't get digested. He said it just goes into your bloodstream. And therefore you just have now, the blood of, uh, when the other stuff gets digested, okay, so, doesn't It doesn't change. So he says, even though now the blood turned into milk, she knew and it received an upgrade. When you take the milk and you mix it with the basar, the meat reawakens the nature of the blood. Because matzah minit mino. 
the two like items find each other and arouse each other and wake up. Now, we notice already. Look, look at these guys that eat cheeseburgers. You see that they don't have a proper midot uh, 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 and all that. That's been proven already. You see a guy online at McDonald's ordering a cheeseburger? Run for your life. Because that cheeseburger is going to be molid tevara in the person. Then he says, The doctors have proven this already. So, for all you guys that have been is not enough, until you hear it in the New England Journal of Medicine, they say, oh, New England Journal of Medicine said it, though it must be, uh, you know. Bakhya, what is he know? He's only a rabbi, he doesn't know anything. But once they said, but I read it in the Wall Street Journal. Oh, that must be authoritative if you read it in the journal. So he says, for those people that only get excited if it's written in the journal, he says it was written in the journal also. Oh, and then he says, Why did you mention this mitzvah next to the holidays? Shalosh Pamim We used to go up to the holidays three times a year. You shouldn't uh, you know eat uh, things that are forbidden. It seems when do you eat the most on the holidays? That's when you sit down to have these you know festive meals. So he's saying the whole purpose why you're going up to Jerusalem is to receive the Kiddushah and the influence and the environment. But if you're going to eat milk and meat when you go up to Jerusalem, you're going to offset it. So instead of getting the Kiddushah of Yerushalayim, you're going to wonder, you know, I went to Jerusalem, I didn't, uh, I didn't feel anything. I didn't get any, uh, of course, what, what restaurant did you go to? The restaurant didn't even have a Rabbanut Kashrut. You ate in the, uh, you know, the place that didn't have a, uh, it says Basar Basar. No, 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 not Basar Kasher. Kasher Kasher, Basar Basar. So therefore, he's telling you, when you go up to Jerusalem to get inspired, somebody wants to get inspired today, make sure that you watch what you're eating. Watch the menu. And if the menu will be good, then the Kiddush Yerushalayim will be inside of you. Now we quote Harambam. The Rambam is in the Moren Nevuchim, the guide to the perplexed. Speaking of perplexion, Baruch Abad David Maya. So in the guide to the perplexed, the Rambam gives us a reason for Basar Behalav, why it's mentioned next to the holidays. Now we're reading Harambam in the guide, in the Moreh. Ki Unbelievable. In the church. In the church there was a Burger King. Which means he's saying that was part of the service of Avodah Zarah. Baruch Hashem, we don't go to church. But we know some of their practices. On Easter they take a wafer and they break it and they do whatever they do with it. They're trying to copy our matzot. Uh, I think they also take uh, willows, aravot. They're trying to copy our uh, aravot. Now, whatever we do, they 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 they, 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 they like to copy it. They they, they they copy. They they incorporate it in one, in one of their holidays. We do brit milah. They do baptism. Now, everything that we have, 
they just modified it and you know it's a knockoff basically it's a bad knockoff so anyway one of the things they did in their religion when they used to go to the holidays to their churches one of the services was they take milk and meat and they put it together and they make a whole so the Rambam says hey listen when you go to your temple in Jerusalem don't follow the practices of the uh, you have to remember in the olden days the attraction to Abu Dazra was very strong I don't know why we don't have that attraction anymore but in those days you know they couldn't see past Abu Dazra and therefore there might be a, some lure to follow that you know Basar uh, Bahalab menu so that uh, Rambam comes along and says Alken Osro Nice. That's why it's mentioned by the Hagim. Fine. Then he comes along and he says, There must be reasons according to the Kabbalah over here also. And he goes and starts giving all reason for the Kabbalah. What is the reason of the Kabbalah? So we have a sefer over here called Huchel Chesed. This is from Rabbi Eliyahu Kohen from Izmir, the author of the Shevet Musar. He wrote a sefer Huchel Chesed. This sefer was given to me. Huchel um, Chesed. By Benam Shil Kedoshim, Shmuel Lanyano, may live and be well. His brother Ephraim, who's the chief rabbi in Brazil, printed it. And uh, he sent me a copy of it. He said, There's some beautiful Hadushim, give it to the rabbi. And I'm very grateful. He was right. There's some beautiful Hadushim in it. So in Parashat Mishpatim, actually, he tells us the Kabbalistic reason why Basar Bahalav is forbidden. And here it is. A small little piece. Aha. Uh-huh. Lomar. Shetam not the Bashir Gedi Bahalev Imo. Ba'avur Mishum Shakadosh Baruchu Sivaken Kedeshelo Learev Din Virahamim. Oh, we don't want you to mix opposites. Mishum Shabbasar Din. The Basar actually represents judgments. I guess because it's red, the blood, red always represents judgment, strictness. The halav rahamim. And halav is white. White represents chesed. I'll give you an name to this. We're going to say it tonight in the prayers. Lahagid baboker chazdecha. Rashi tevot halav. Lahagid lamed baboker bet chazdecha het. Rashi tevot halav. To come and tell you what? That milk is chesed. I give a book of chazdecha. It's kindness, chesed. It's white. Anything white is chesed. 
That's why yeshiva guys, they wear white shirts, chesed. But then they ruin it by wearing a black suit. They, they, they offset it. <coughs> Nonetheless, And he quotes a rabbi called the Rikanti, as well as the Shla Kadosh. So those two rabbis, Rikanti and Shla, both tell you the reason for Basar Ba'alab's mixture is... Do me a favor, Gary, could you bring us the Benish high? They tell us the reason is because you're mixing Deen and the Hamim. You know what I would have said? I would have said, on the contrary, we love to mix Deen and the Hamim. I know, doctor, I read your mind, I know it. Which means, I would say, on the, on the contrary, mix it so you can make what's called the Mituka Deen. And instead, sweeten the judgments. How do you sweeten the judgments? You take the judgment, you put some uh, mercy on it, you put sugar in the coffee, you sweeten the coffee. So therefore, take the Midat Adin and mitigate it and compromise it by putting the Hamim with it and soften it up. Here they're telling you, no, hey, never the twain shall meet. We don't want you to put the, uh, although that's a concept that we always do. By the way, God did it when he created the world. Let's start from the beginning. Bereshit bara Elohim et Originally God created the world using the name Elohim, which is judgment. And then God said, wow, too strict. So what did he do? Later on it says, Adonai Elohim He added Yud Kevavke. So what did God do? He mixed Yud Kevavke with Elohim to make a mituk. Yaakov Abinu did the same thing. Im Elohim imadi. If God, the strictest will be. And then what does he say at the end? Vahaya Adonai li Elohim. He mixes Yud Kevavke, which is mercy, with Elohim. And we always do that. But now it comes to Basar Bahalab, they say, no way. No way. Do not mix the deen with the rahamim. Now let's open up the Ben Ishchai for a minute. The Ben Ishchai is in Perashat Baha'alotecha. So he says over here, yeah, Ben Ishchai, Perashat Baha'alotecha. Judgments, Kamur. Halab is mercy. That's why if you come from Halab, you're a good guy. Kihu Mispar Unbelievable. He said, God has a name of Chesed. It's the 72 Gematria name. Shem Ayin Bet. How do you spell the Shem Ayin Bet? The name of God of 72 letters. Yud Vav Dalit. Yud is 20. Yud Vav Dalit is 20. He Yud. Spell it with a Yud. He Yud is 15. 20 and 15 is 35. Vav Yud Vav, which is 22. 35 and 22 is 57. And the final hair of Hashem's name is Hey Yud, which is 15. 57 and 15 is 72. How many Yuds are in that mercy name of God? Four Yuds. Yud Vav Dalet, that's the first Yud. Hey Yud, that's the second one. Vav Yud Vav is the third Yud. And Hey Yud is the fourth Yud. There's four Yuds in the name of mercy of God. Four Yuds equals 40. Halav also equals 40. So therefore, the Halav represents the four Yudin of the Shem Ayin Bet. Allah Baruch. 
תערובת שלהם אסורה כאיסור שעטנז. זה הפמיליה. שמערב כוחות הדינים עם כוחות החסדים. And then he writes, ובלא משפט תראוי להיות בצוד המיתוק. And it's not going to make a מיתוק over here. It seems to make the sweetening, it has to be proportionate. Not every time you mix Hesed and Deen is it going to create a, is it going to create a מיתוק. So they were basar b'chalav, for some reason when you put them together, they don't go and make a מיתוק. It's not going to be proportionate enough to make מיתוק הדינים. Are you following or no? Now here's something strange. And let's see if you can explain this here. Well, this, is a, this, is a, this, is a, this is a riddle. If I eat meat first, then I got to wait. But if I eat milk first, I don't got to wait. Let's review. A guy has a hamburger. Now what? He wants to have ice cream. He cannot. Six hours. You got to wait till that hamburger gets out of your stomach, digests. Then you put the ice cream. But if I eat the ice cream first, and then I have a hamburger, if I rinse my mouth out, maybe I should wait an hour. We don't even have to wait an hour. What's the difference? Now your stomach has milk and meat in there. What's the difference? Huh? It's a good question. That's what you meant to say. So he says something incredible. V'katav arav mekubal Morenu rabbi sason mordechai zatzal וזה לשונו. ונראה שלפי זה, אם אכל חלב תחילה, if you ate milk first, huh? Very good, David. שהוא החסד, נכנס תחילה, יוכל לאכול אחריו בשר קודם עיכוד גלית בשר, you know why? זה תתאה גבר. We have a rule in הלכה. I know it's not a halakha class, but let me share this rule with you. You'll enjoy it. We have a halakha that says, if let's say you have something that is forbidden, let's say you have a hot piece of uh, you know, pork, and you have a glad kosher piece of meat, okay? The pork is boiling hot. The kosher meat is cold. The kosher meat is on the bottom. Okay? The pork, which is on top, falls on the bottom. Who overpowers who? Does the hot overpower the cold and therefore will forbid the whole cold? Or do we say the cold overpowers the hot and therefore does not get affected. The question is, what is the, uh, what is the, uh, uh, who's the stronger one? Is the strong one the top or the strong one the bottom? Well, it's a 50-50 bet, uh, gentlemen. So, you, you know, it's not such a, you know, it can be 50% right. That's a, doesn't show your prowess on that one. Actually, your right answer would be it's a mahlokit. Like everything else in Judaism, it's a mahlokit. Half of Klai Yisrael says the top is the stronger one, and half of Klai Yisrael says the bottom. Let's get to the halakha. We hold the following rule. Tata'a 
Gabar. Tatagabar means the bottom, whatever's on the bottom, it's in its place. Whatever falls on it, the bottom overpowers. So therefore the cold is going to make the pork cold and not allow it to absorb anything to a certain degree. Got it or no? The way we say that is Totoigova. Exactly. So says Harab Sasson. When you eat milk first, what's the base on the bottom of your stomach? The milk, which is chesed. So now when you eat the meat, you're right, it's coming on it, but it's elyon. What's gover? Tata'a. The chesed will be gover on the deen, so you have no problem. However, if you eat meat first, now the deen is on the bottom. Now you're going to eat the ice cream after. If it's still in your stomach, tata'a gavar. The meat is going to overpower the milk, and as a result of it, the deen is going to be gover de rahamim. It's based on the ila'ana tata. So what does six hours do? Digest it. After six hours, it's not in your stomach anymore. After, after the six hours, it's digested. It's perished by alma. Fantastic. Based on this, there's a famous teshuvah in the sefer called Kav Hayim. I have a copy of the Kav Hayim. Right over here. In Siman Memhet. <laughs> the guy's asking him a question. This is an interesting question. I know it's not Shavuot now, but Shavuot's right around the corner. Why do the Jewish people have a custom to eat milk products on Shavuot? He doesn't ask about cheesecake necessarily. That's a, you know, a specific, and he doesn't ask about calzones either. He's just discussing generically. Both the Faradim and Ashkenazim eat milk products on Shavuot. So he's, he asked the Rav, "Why is that so?" The Benish Chai, in a different place, says a simple reason: because the Torah was given in forty days, and the numerical value of halav het is eight and lamed bet is thirty-two. It's forty. So therefore, we eat a food. That numerically equals the number of days that the Torah was was given. All right, that's that's a good one. I accept it. Clean. So he says another reason. Abotai. Does anybody know which day of the week we got the Torah? Shabbat. Shabbat. I didn't say the date. What do you got there, Joe? Delivery. Oh, delivery, okay. Beautiful. Yes, beautiful. Azagabaruch. So you have over here a mahlokit on the date. That we're not getting into. But the Gemara Shabbat says, while the date of Matan Torah could either be the 6th of Sivan, the 7th of Sivan, that's a different story. Everybody agrees, however, the day of the week that the Torah was given was Shabbat. That's why Shabbat is connected to the Torah. That's why if you look in the Sidur, we have a Sidur over there, uh, uh, beautiful. If you look at the Sidur, on Shabbat morning in the Amidah, what do we say? Yismach Moshe b'matenat elko ki even neeman karatu kilitefere b'omdo lefanecha al har Sinai. 
What are you mentioning Hasinai on Shabbat? Because that's what happened. Friday night we mentioned the Shabbat of creation. That's Atakidashta, that's referring to the uh, creation of the world. Friday night, if you look in the Amidah, that's Shabbat Bereshit. Shabbat morning is Shabbat Har Sinai, Shabbat Menha is Shabbat of Olam Abba. That's already Olam Abba. Huh, so there's the answer, he says. We got the Torah on Shabbat. Are you allowed to make Shahita on Shabbat? You can't. The stuff that we made Shahita yesterday, we didn't know the laws yesterday. So all the stuff in the fridge is Taref. Because we didn't have the Halachot. So therefore, we had no choice but to eat milk products. Very good. And you have to say also that uh, and how are you going to get the milk products out? So either you have to say we had milk products from yesterday, which were kosher, or if you say milking the cows, maybe you sued the banan. So then there was ways to, so there was no sued the banan at the time yet. So that's why we had no choice to eat milk because there was no kosher food available till Saturday night. Malava Malka already, that was the first Malava Malka that had to meet Malava Malka. You got it, Abotai? So that's what he says. Oh, yeah, they had the man already from before? Okay. David Maya has another answer to the question that they were eating the man from before. So, why were they eating milk at all? They might just need man. Oh, thank you very much. Then he says, The odd Amina Ta'am Nakhola Makale Halab Shavuot. He says, I heard this from the Belzer Rebbe. Maharashmi bells. Remember the story when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to get the Torah? So the angels gave him a hard time. The angels came along and said, what does he want? What does he want over here, this guy? So God said he came to get the Torah. The angels said, we're not giving it. The angels had their own union. And the union wasn't willing to give up the rights of the Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu. So they made a protest. They put a big, uh, a big rat in front of the Kisei uh, Kavod. They said, that's it, we're not giving the Torah over. So what happens? Moshe comes to the angels and he tells the angels, you want the Torah? How can you take the Torah? You transgressed the Torah. You remember the story when the angels went to Abraham Abinu's house? What did he serve them? Masar b'halav. And they ate it. So Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, you're out. You're disqualified already. You ate Masar b'halav Abraham Abinu's house. How could you accept the Torah? Because she says, Nirim kohakalim. Oh, no, I thought that, that we can answer. But I thought you said, because she says, they look like they were, but they really weren't eating. That's the question. But <clears throat> nonetheless, some say that they came as human beings and they acted like human beings. If they weren't eating, they would give it away. So therefore, they were eating. 
So the Midrash says over here, Dekhtiv, what does it say? One pasuk says, He took some butter, and then it says he took what? He took meat. Oh. So comes the doctor and says, what's the problem? What's the problem? They ate the milk first. Alakha said, if you eat milk first, then you eat the meat. It's no problem. So what's the claim of Moshe Rabbeinu? So the claim is, hold it. You're coming along and saying that what? Who deserves the Torah? The Elyonim. You're saying the Torah belongs in heaven. So that means you hold that Ila'agabar. That the top one is the priority, not the bottom. So you can't take it both ways. If you're going to say Ila'agabar, that the Torah belongs in heaven, so don't tell me, oh, we ate the milk first, then we ate the meat. Ila'agabar, the meat is on top. So therefore, and if you're going to come along and say, no, 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 Tata'agabar, that the milk is on the bottom, good, Tata'agabar, that means we're Tata'a, we're on the bottom, you're on the top, Tata'agabar, we get the Torah. That was the real claim of, of Moshe. Understand the claim, the way he explains it? So says the Rav, what is our claim to the Torah? The claim to the Torah is that that milk that the angels ate first by Avraham Abinu's house, and then they ate the meat after, that already established that we get the Torah. So that's why we eat milk on Shavuot, in order, because what's the deen of the milk? The real custom of the Ramah that brings it down is, not only supposed to eat milk, it says first you're supposed to have milk, then wash your mouth, and then go have meat. That's the real custom, to have both. Normally on a Shabbat, we don't have milk first, we have meat right away. But on Shabbat, they say, why, why should you have milk first? Because we're trying to commemorate that story of Avraham Abinu. That first they ate the milk, and then we have, and why is that permissible? Because we hold Tata Agavar. And if we hold Tata Agavar, that's why we deserve the Torah. That's why Shavuot, we have the milk in that order. In order to give us that remez, and what the Malachim were involved in over there. So that's already a, uh, a tremendous chidush of the Rav Kabahayim. That's a deep reason. Beautiful reason. <clears throat> so beautiful. So we fended off the angels. We fended off the angels. <clears throat> now, by the way, by the way, Where else is it written, Basar Bahalav? Let's see, there's other places it's written. <clears throat> Anybody know the three places? Okay, bring it to us here. Let's see. <clears throat> Let's see. Lehalan, Lamidalid Chavav. Open up. Lamidalid. Lamidalid Chavav. Lamid Dalid, that's 3426. Oh, beautiful. If you look at 26, what does it say? 
דשית בקרולי אדמתך, תרים את השם אלוהיך, לא תבשל גדי בחלב עמו. Beautiful. You see, you see it? What's the next פסוק over there? ויאמר אדוני אל משה, כטוב לך את הדברים האלה, write the Torah, כי על פי הדברים האלה, because of these things, קראתי את החברית בישראל. It's because of this that I made the covenant. Because of what? Because of לא תבשל גדי בעלי ועמו. Because of that story of לא תבשל גדי בעלי ועמו, the milk that the angels ate, the Torah says, write it down, כי על פי הדברים האלה, because of what I just told you in the previous פסוק, קראתי את חברית בית ישראל. So the Torah tells you the connection between our claim to the Torah is because of לא תבשל גדי בעלי ועמו. Now, by the way, I'm just adding in, if you're a daf yomir, in today's daf, you learned that in the Birkat Amazon, you have to mention Berit v'Torah. You mention Berit first, and then you mention Torah second. What do you mean? Torah should come first. So the Gemara says, no, because when we got the Berit Milat, it was given to us with 13 covenants. When God tells Avram about the Brit, he says the word Brit 13 times. The Torah was given, on the other hand, in three covenants. Oh, so that's why it says Lot Bashel Gedi three times. Because since Lot Bashel Gedi, Ba'alev Imor, is our claim to the Torah, and the Torah was given at three different. So every time God made a Brit with us, don't forget Lot Bashel Gedi, that's the reason. Because the angels ate the halab by Abraham Abinu's house. And they ate the halab, and they were claiming alone that it was okay, but they can't claim ila agavad, they wanted to write heaven, and then claim tata agavad, that they were okay. You can't pull the string on both ends. It's either ila or tata'a. So if you want the Torah in heaven, then you're out. And if you let the Torah go on earth, good, we get the Torah, and you're okay. Evantib? So the angels lost their claim. The Mikubalim actually write that um, that as a result, as a result of the angels eating basar bechalav, God already told the angels. You're, uh, you're like uh, pushed away. He pushed them away. Go down to earth. Like a nidui. So that's why, by the way, when it says, What's the next pasuk pasuk in Afarasha? That's it. Malachim. He sent the Malachim down to earth. The angels were banned from God because of the Basar Bahalav claim. It's connected to the Bashil Gedi. Fine. But the only question that remains unanswered is the question of why, what's the connection to Bikurim, and why not mix Basar Bahalab together to make a Mitukadim? So I understand the British High is telling me nah, it doesn't work. Not, not everything that's deemed Rahamim are compatible. You need to have the right configuration, and this doesn't configure right. Why not? So the very fascinating Hatam Sofer. Now Hatam Sofer says like this. 
You know there's a Gemara that says in Pesachim, page 49, Ama'ares asur le'ekol basar. And Ama'ares is not allowed to eat meat. Although if you go to the meat restaurants, most of them are filled with Ama'ares. But if they'd only know, you know, the proprietors of those meat restaurants don't want you to know this Gemara. You'll be out of business. The rabbi starts saying this in public, that Ama'ares is not allowed to eat meat. There goes all the steakhouses. You know, they make their business on Ama'ares, eating meat all day long. Now the question is, why can't Ama'ares eat meat? Poor guy. They say, no, you know what? Let the Ama'ares, let him eat fish. Let him go to Beni Dagim. Let him eat fish. Remember Beni Dagim? Best place. That's Friday's place. That's right. Israel, Beni Dagim. Eleo Street. So now... What happens is, they say, let the, let the Amaz eat fish. He's okay. Send him to the fish restaurant. Send to Arthur Treaches. So the question is, the question is, why? Why, 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 why can't the Amaz eat meat? So the simple explanation they say is, fish, there's no laws. It's just fins and scales. So even the can figure that out. Let them go to the fish store, look for fins and scales. And the Gemara says, you don't got to look for fins. If it has scales, it has fins. You just look for scales. You could Google it, look what a scale looks like, a disc. Match it, eat it. But meat, there's laws. There's shahita, there's koshering it. There's a whole story over there. Bet Yosef. So therefore, you know what? We don't trust the Ama'ares to eat meat because to get the meat from the animal, from the barn to the kosher section, it's a lot of laws. And we don't trust our mind's going to do it right, so therefore we tell the guy, eat ready-made food. Fish. Fish doesn't even eat shahita. You can eat the fish raw. The sushi, they eat it raw. No problem. You don't need any preparation. Let him eat salad. Finish. He knows what a bug looks like. Let him look at the lettuce. He doesn't see any, uh, you know, any tarantulas. He can eat it. He doesn't see any, 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 any bugs, micro-bugs. Let him eat it. But meat, too complicated. That's the simple explanation to Gemara. What do you see there, David? Anyway, you have over here a deeper explanation of the Arizal. The Arizal is in Shara Mitzvot Parashat Ekev. He says something incredible. And I'm, I'm weaving it in with the Hatam Sofer. There's four levels of creation. The four levels of creation are Domem, Someyah, Hai, Midaber. Lowest level being the inanimate, like the earth. A level high would be the plants that grow from the earth. A level up would be the animals that eat the plants. A level up would be the human that eats the animal. You see, it's the, uh, what do you call that? Progression. The progression, exactly. You see, it moves up. Progression. And the Kuzari even says there's another level. Even above human, there's a higher level. But I know many of our members are politically correct, so you're not going to like this. So therefore, I won't say what the highest level is. The highest level is the Jew. That implies that a Jew is, you know, special. I know some people don't like to hear that. Because they follow the Constitution that says all men, or all people, because you can't even say men anymore because there's women, so all people were created equal. They don't like to hear that the Jews are special. So I don't want to, you know, uh, ruffle any feathers of our members that are politically correct, so we'll just give you the four levels. Assuming that the Jews are not, you know, uh, on the highest level. Well, we are, but I'm not going to say it out loud. We're just going to go to the four levels. All right, Joe Franco, I don't want to offend you. So we're just going to go to the four levels. We'll stop it at the human. 
So anyway, Arizal writes, what do these four rep- levels represent? In all the parts of creation, there's Kiddushah. There's Kiddushah. Of course, it's veiled. You don't see it. That's why the word is called Olam. Olam comes from the Hebrew word He'alem. He'alem means it's concealed. The Kiddushah is there. It's enveloped. Today, it's been scientifically proven that there's Kiddushah in everything. Today, they talk about the molecular activity inside of a, uh, inside of a table. If I were to tell you, I don't know, uh, 200 years ago, that there's activity in this table, they would tell you crazy. They'd tell you crazy. Today, it's the opposite. If you don't believe there's a molecular activity in the table, then you're crazy. Because today, they see the protons, the neutrons, the electrons. There's some sort of energy. We call that spiritual energy. The job of the Jew is to ultimately extract these energies of Kedushah and to elevate it. The elevation is done the following. Whatever is in the ground, it has Kedushah the ground. The honest is Kadosh. It'll come out in the plant. So the plant now has some sparks of Kedushah. It drew it out of the ground. Now most people don't eat plants. Who eats plants? The animals. The Kedushah of the plant is elevated now into the animal. Now the animal has the Kedushah of the ground that was in the plant, that was in the animal. Now our job is to extract, which is the most difficult job, to extract the Kedushah from the animal, which is not an easy process. And how do we do that, Arizal says? We make shechita with a special knife. We salt the meat. We kosher the meat. All sorts of... It's not an easy process because you're extracting a lot of kiddushah that's in this level. So you need to do a lot of... Uh, I'm not going to call it inconvenience because the mitzvot are not inconvenient, but you got a lot of tercha, a lot of burden to get it. And finally, when the tamid hakam eats the piece of meat... And then he turns that meat, which is calories, into learning. So at that point, you've elevated the animal's energy into Kedushah, and you've lifted the creation to the highest level. So therefore, if you ever see a Tamir Hakam, give him lunch. Give him a meat lunch. Because in the afternoon, he's going to go back to the yeshiva, and he's going to turn that cow into a Tosfot. It'll turn it into a, into a Maharsha. It'll turn it into the Reef and the Rabbam. That energy that he's using to give the Shi'ud, you lift it up the... Uh... But don't, if you see an Amaris, don't give him a meat meal. Because what is he going to do with the meat meal? He's going to play football. What's the Amaris going to do? He's going to go to the track. So he's rooting for the horses, all the energy that he's using. So basically what he do? He turned the cow into a horse. He, he lowered it. He lowered it. He lowered the level. The Ama'aris doesn't have the ability because he doesn't do the right things to make this tikkun. So basically he leaves the uh, uh, animals unfixed. Don't, don't waste it on them. Understand what I'm saying? That's what Hadab Sofet says. Don't waste it on them. <coughs> right, sell them a veggie burger. You don't know the difference. Oh... Or fish. The reason why fish doesn't need all these processes is because there's really not so much nitzotzot that are hanging out in the fish. 
So therefore, it's easy to eat it. You don't need too much. The more tikkun it needs to eat, the more stuff. Meaning, to eat a piece of it's a complicated procedure. It's an operation. The fact that it's so difficult to make it edible shows you how much stuff is in it. So that's that. Hatam Sofet says that, you know that Adam Arishon was a vegetarian? Are you aware of that? Actually, Adam Arishon was not allowed to eat meat. One time I met one of these, uh, these militant vegetarians. I'm not against vegetarians, by the way. But I'm against people that want to proselytize me to become a vegetarian. Don't leave me alone. I want to eat. Don't, don't, don't come along and, and, and now come along and say, oh, this is what the Torah I want. Do what you want. Eat what you I don't have a problem. Eat what you want. Don't eat what you want. I'm not a, but don't, don't, don't dictate to me your, uh, your, your eating preference. But they come on, you know, it's a suit, and they tell you, you can't eat veal, and you can't eat, don't eat veal, give me, more, more veal for me, by the way, no problem, don't eat veal, I'm happy you don't eat veal, I can't find veal in the meat, in the market anymore, I'm happy you don't eat veal, I can eat more for myself, very expensive, so now, but they come along, you can't eat meat, and what's their proof? Adam Edison was a vegetarian, so you see, in the uh, utopian life, in the perfect world, God doesn't want you to eat meat. I said, well, then you better take off your clothes because Adam didn't wear any clothes either, by the way. Yeah. And they have a hard time answering that. I mean, their wife doesn't wear clothes anyway, but they, 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 you, you have to take off your clothes now. Because already you're saying, Adam Arishon, Adam Arishon, Adam Arishon, walk around naked in the street, walk around naked in the street also, by the way. Right, so therefore, which means they pick and choose what they want to pick. They want to wear clothes, but they want to eat uh, vegetables. So the question really is, why? Why indeed Adam Arishon would not have to eat meat? Hatam Sofet says something incredible. He says, before the sin, God did not want you to inflict any pain on animals. There was no need to inflict pain. I understand shaita is minimal pain, but it's pain. It's not painless surgery, it's a little pain. I mean, the knife is very sharp, I agree. But, but why, what, what this why kill an animal? No reason to kill an animal. Oh, how are you going to extract the nitzotzot? Hatam Sofi says, milk it. The olden days, he says, if you just milk the animal, the milk is coming from the animal. That was all. It came out in the easy process. You didn't need to kill the animal. You need to salt it and soak it and all that other stuff. Milk it. All the kiddushah that was in the animal came in the milk. You drank the milk. You were vegetarian. But he wasn't vegan. We point that out. Oh, 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 oh. Not vegan. What do you call those guys? Macrobiotic. They don't eat anything that has uh, eyes or something. Anything that has life to it. Anything that has... Uh, any, anything that tastes good, they don't eat. They'll eat a styrofoam. They'll eat a piece of styrofoam before they eat to drink a glass of milk. So that's what they believe in. Anyway, so Adam should drink milk. He wasn't one of those. He wasn't a macro. And the drink of the milk made the tikkun. There's a rabbi called Yismach Moshe. I have it right over here, the copy of it. He writes 
Why were the Jewish people obligated to give Tirumat to the Kohen? What's that all about? Giving Tirumat to the Kohen. The Kohen gets 2%. That's a good racket. If you're a Kohen, anybody that has product in the field, he gets a vig. 2% goes to the Kohen. And that's only one of 24 things he takes. It's good business to be a Kohen. So why? And why is it called Tirumat? Tirumat means you elevate, you lift it. So he writes... It should be called hafrasha. Hafrasha means you are separating. So he comes along and he says, forget about the simple reason in order to give the Quran Panasah. In every uh, genre of food, there's kedusha in it. Tikun. You need to make the tikkun to elevate it. From the domain to the tzomeyah to the high. Now the Kohen is using a tamir hakam. Not everybody is able to eat and make this tikkun. Those are God's people. And Levim. So therefore the Pasuk says, Here's a big, big line now. In my book, it has it bolded. That the part you're going to give the Kohen, God will make sure the Nitzotzot are in that 2%. So when you give the Kohen the 2%, you're actually giving him all the goods. And you tell the Kohen, eat it, and turn those Nitzotzot into Kohen calories, which are service, mitzvot, and all that. It's an amazing thing. Maybe it's in the 98%. No, Borei Olam says, that's why we call it Tiruma. Tiruma means elevated. Why is this 2% more elevated than the other 98%? It's wheat, and this is wheat. What's inside of it? This is Tiruma. You're elevating it because it's Kiddusha in this part. So when the coin eats it, and he goes on to say, even better than Tamsu Fit. But we're at the 98%. He says, there also is Kiddusha in the 98%. But by giving the Kohen... The 2%, it's easier now for a regular simple guy like us to eat the 98% and fix it. Because we gave the, the head to the, to the Kohen. You know what we're saying over As long as I give the primary nitzotzot to the Kohen, it makes it easier for the 98% that's left back to get, to get fixed. But if you don't give it to the Kohen, and you're eating all this stuff, you're, you're not doing anything. That's why it's such a big avon, to hold back the tirumot and the masrot. Advantage so far? So now we go back. It's the same thing when you give Bikurim to the Kohen. What's the Nyan of Bikurim? Same thing. You're giving the first fruits. What about everything else? But the Olam says all the Kedushah in this tree is going to land in those fruits that you put in your basket. So when you're giving the Kohen these fruits and he eats them, he's fixing the nitzotzot of that Bikurim and the rest of the stuff that grows on your tree now, when you eat it, it'll be very easy to make the tikkun, to elevate it from a tzomeyah, a growth, to a ahad, to a human. Now we go back to the Hadush of the Adam Sofer. Rabotai. Rabotai. I'm sorry to tell you, 
You know there's a law that says, uh, you ever see this law that says on Friday night before you make Yiddush you have to cover the bread? Why do we cover the bread? Huh? Mr. Chira says, we don't want to embarrass it. What do we don't want to embarrass it? It's because really bread should come first. Hamotzi comes first. But we have a, we have a catch-27 because you have to make Yiddush first. You can't, you, can't, you can't eat the bread till you make Yiddush. So not to embarrass the bread, we cover it. So it doesn't see. I guess, I guess the bread's deaf because I don't know why it doesn't hear it. Doesn't hear we're making kiddush. I guess you have to say the bread is the bread is the bread has eyes, but it doesn't have ears. Uh, whatever. Or maybe you have to put a uh, maybe you put a soundproof covering on it so it doesn't hear either, David. Uh, the reason I gave it's, it's the reason I gave. That's a good question. Okay, thank you. In any event, we cover the bread so it doesn't see its uh, embarrassment. Now watch. In the perfect world, Rabotai, before the sin of Adam Rishon, what are we supposed to be eating? Milk products. After the sin of Adam Rishon, meat became permissible. You know why? Because now God says, listen, now it's not so easy to get this kiddushah out of the meat anymore. After the sin, now you got to make shahita, now you got to saw. That. Eating meat, by the way, is an indication of that we sinned. Now God says, don't not eat meat. That's why you have to eat meat because now you got to make the tikkun. So God goes, oh, I'm not eating. So yeah, you have to eat meat because you want to make the tikkun. It's unfortunate that that had to happen. By the way, now I understand why by Har Sinai when we got the Torah, it says we reached the level of Adam Barishon before the sin. That's why what did we eat on Shavuot when we got the Torah? Milk. That's it. No meat. After eat meat. No meat. The world went back to its original tikkun. So we became vegetarians again for a short time. Even the Malava Malka, we didn't have meat according to this. We didn't need to. We did the egg boom, everything went back to square zero again. That's the deep reason why we had milk on Shavuot. The world reached the tikkun of Adam and Yishon called the Machayat. So the Hatab Sofis says, now imagine a guy eating meat. He has to eat it, you know. Now you bring milk over there. You put milk in front of the meat. Now you're embarrassing the meat like you're embarrassing because the meat now sees the milk as if to say this is the, the meat of sin. The Torah says you cannot put this atraba. when you put the milk with the meat it arouses more judgments. It arouses more judgments. You put the milk down you ask why, why am I eating meat bichlal? And you say, oh, in the olden days we used to, so the hatat of it, the putting the milk next to the meat just reminds of what the world was before the sin and now what the world is. To put those things together, you don't want to mix the two worlds. The world before the sin and the world after the sin. When you mix those two worlds, it only arouses stricter judgments. Because you say, look, we're eating meat today. We should only be able to eat milk. The fact that you put them together, it's almost as if you're saying... Look, look at the two worlds we're in. And therefore, Adrabah, the Benish is correct when he says, sometimes it doesn't sweeten it, sometimes it only magnifies it. So you see over here why the Torah then writes, Bikurim next to Basar Bahalav. Because just like the purpose of the Bikurim, all the Nitzot Sot of Kiddushah, God made sure that it's in the Bikurim, it goes to the Kohen. 
So for the same reason, because today we're allowed to eat meat because we're doing the same thing. We're extracting nitzotzot, just like we extract nitzotzot from the Bikun, it goes to the Kohen. But you cannot do it with milk. Because when you're going to put it with milk, it reminds us of the world before we had to do this difficult extraction. When we was able to do it just by milking a cow. So therefore, to put them together is forbidden. But there's a connection between Bikurim and Basar. Both have the concept, the deep concept of what? Extraction of the We'll stop over here. Amen. Amen. If anybody can repeat this class over, including me, give me five dollars.